Many of you know that I enjoy camping. Our family enjoys camping. It's one of the things we love doing. Just uh, two weeks ago, we went camping down to Mini Waters. Uh, planned the whole week. Uh, everything was organised. Karina had cooked every meal that we had for the week, so it was going to be simple and organised. We'd uh, bought this little thing that gives you hot showers because there's no showers and only pit toilets down there. Uh, we got that organised. Everything was ready to go. We headed off to Mini Waters on the Sunday and Sunday afternoon it started to rain. And it rained on Monday, and it rained on Tuesday and it rained on Wednesday. And Wednesday afternoon it looked like we were going to be flooded in so we decided, well, we're going to go home. Camping's great, isn't it? It's one of those joys that we have when we go out there. It's one of those things that uh, many of us love doing. But, you know, the really great thing about camping is when you come home. Uh, I love camping. I love the fires. I love the fact that we're out there in the outdoors. But I love even more the fact that I get home. Uh, I love the fact of camping. You can have a fire out there. But it's not quite the same, is it? Uh, The bed doesn't quite fit, uh, not as much food fits in the uh, fridge, the shower's not quite as warm as what it was and pit toilets aren't as comfortable as sitting on your own toilet because when you've got your own toilet, you've got your Time magazine in front of you here, you can close the door, you can put the fan on, it's all great. Uh, Life's a bit like that, isn't it? Uh, I actually think that when we read through the Bible, we actually find out that what God says to us is that this world that we live here is only the camping version of the world we're going to live in forever. And and I think that has a lot to say to us because I think we actually, uh, all of us here, have this desire to be home. Uh, When you're on camping, you desire to be at your home that you're in. But I think even here and now, we we, we like the idea, don't we, that there is a home, there's a safe, secure place that we can be in. Uh, And the home that we live here and now still doesn't quite fit, does it? You can have a nice toilet, but you still get stomach cramps. You still have problems. You still get sick. You can have a nice bed, but you've still got to walk out the door and you face the fact that there's sickness and there's death and there's people who drive cars crazy around the streets and your neighbour's got a dog that howls. You've got stuff like that going on around you, haven't you? This world that we live in isn't home yet. But I think we have a desire within our heart to want to be at home. Uh, We're going to be looking at 1 Peter over this term and I think 1 Peter has a big thing to say to us about our home. He talks about our home in eternity but it's not all pie in the sky stuff, it's all actually about here and now too. So it says, yes, we have a home but how do we live in the world that's around us now? Understanding that we have an eternity and a perfect home to go to. So we're going to look at that over this term, term, uh, first term. Uh, We're going to see how that impacts us through 1 Peter. And today we're going to be looking at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 9 together. So open up your Bibles, have a look at that. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. And Ronnie's going to come up and read that for us. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God elect, strangers in the world, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia and Bithynia, who have been chosen accordingly to the knowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and sprinkling by his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. 
Praise be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy he has given us new birth and into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. Kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come to you that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an expressible and glorious joy, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Thanks, Ron. Uh, Keep your Bibles open. Uh, You can follow along with me, because we're going to be working through that together. And... uh, it's good for you to see that uh, where we're coming from is from the Bible and not just my idea of it. Well, it's, uh, it's a book called One Peter because it's written by Peter. Funny that, isn't it? Uh, and Peter was uh, one of the disciples of Jesus, one of his great mates. And uh, we think at this point in time that maybe Peter's in Rome. We're unsure exactly. And he probably might be uh, in jail as well as he writes this. And it's getting quite close to probably the last days of his life. And he's writing back to a group of churches throughout a a wide area. And he wants to write back to them and encourage them in a number of ways. And I think it's a great letter to us because I think we're in a very similar situation as the people that Peter wrote to. Uh, You notice some of the first words that Peter says to them. He says, to God's elect, that's God's people, God's family, the ones that he's called together, strangers in the world and scattered throughout all those funny names. Uh, so that, what he's saying is there that these people who are God's people are living in the world, but they're actually strangers in the world. Or another word that uh, different translations use is that there are aliens in the world, that this place that they are in is not their home. It's not the place that they're going to be in forever. And that they're spread out, that they're dispersed throughout a whole wide area. Uh, when uh, Christianity became quite a movement with, throughout Jerusalem and Israel, there started to be a whole lot of persecution happening. And so a lot of Christians got sent out. Uh, they left, Israel, uh, left Jerusalem, they headed out into different parts of the world and different parts of Asia, where this is, and so they were spread out. It's called a diaspora, so the spread out time. And they were spread out through all these areas and the areas that they went into, they were seen as being quite different and quite strange in a sense. Uh, not only because they may have been coming from a different town, but because of their belief systems and the way that they lived. Because they took what they believed and they continued to believe it where they went to. They took how they lived as they became followers of Jesus and they lived that out in the areas that they were. And because of that, they were seen as not being the real deal in one sense. They weren't part of that place. They were quite different in the way that they did things and sometimes they were persecuted. Sometimes they had trials and sufferings for that and we're going to see more of that as we go through 1 Peter. But ultimately, they were in the minority. 
They weren't the majority, they were in the minority and they felt that. And so Peter is writing to them to encourage them about that. And I don't know whether you've worked it out yet but Christians are in the minority in this country. Uh, They're in the minority in a lot of countries but they are in Australia. Uh, We often sometimes think that Australia is a Christian country but we are no longer a Christian country. Uh, We're in post Christendom in one sense. Uh, if you went through the times of, uh, in history through revivals and the Reformation and all those sorts of things, different countries were Christian and in some senses the, the people who were go- in government and the people who were Christians were almost the same thing. So it was actually almost a Christian period of time that happened but we're not in that period anymore. We're out of that period. We are in a post-Christian society and Australia is a post-Christian land. Uh, That's hard for us to handle sometimes because we like to think that that's still the case. But we are having less and less impact on our society. Uh, If you look at the stats, the stats say that over 60% of Australians say that they have some Christian belief. But only 8% are in churches on Sunday. And approximately 19% of people maybe get to church once a month, maybe. Uh, 70% of Australians pretty much say that they would not step inside a church for any reason unless it was a funeral or possibly a wedding. We're in a post-Christian culture, guys. We are strangers and we are aliens in this land. But don't look at that as a bad thing, by the way. Okay, this is actually the way it was for these guys here and you see what happened out of the first uh, disciples of Jesus. It took over the world, didn't it? You see, the very first Christians, it wasn't institutionalised. It was a movement. It was a passionate movement that spread out and went out and went across the whole of the world. It was an amazing thing. And in one sense, we're back in those days. Uh, No longer is Christianity the institutionalised religion of Australia. No longer are we that. And I think sometimes we want to say hallelujah for that. Because when Christianity becomes institutionalised, it just becomes the norm and then people actually don't take it on. It just becomes something that we are, but we aren't really. That we don't truly believe, we just take on that title, that part of who we are. It's not us, it's just the national thing. Whereas when we go from being an institution and become a movement again, then it becomes powerful and it changes things. And it changes the world. When these strangers, these aliens, went into these communities, they started living as followers of Jesus and they had a huge impact on their communities because their communities, they might have thought they were strange but they were attracted to it because they loved one another in amazing ways. You see, we're not home. This place that we live here is not our ultimate home. We'll talk about that in a minute, but where our home is. But it's not home. And that should change our attitudes a little bit to it, shouldn't it? To change the way that we view what happens here. In a sense that we aren't put our roots down so strong here that everything's got to happen here, that everything that we're on about is, well, get a house, get a a, a job, get a future, uh, have a family, all those sort of things may be good in some senses, but that's not where our roots are. Our roots are in Jesus. And our home is in eternity and our desires and our heart's desires should be for that and what that does. Not that we have all the comfort here and now. 
But there's also a challenge, isn't there, within that? If we are aliens and strangers in this world that we live in, and in Australia there's 70% of the people in Australia who really wouldn't want to sit inside a church anyway, how do we reach them? How do we reach the 70% of people who we would have no contact with by just opening our doors on Sunday? Can I say, praise God you're here this morning. It's great to see you. It's wonderful that you're here. Uh, but there's more than 70%, there's not 30% of the town in here, is there? There's more than 70% of people out there in our community around us who won't ever step inside here in and of them by themselves. We've got to change our thinking, don't we? We've got to change our thinking. that It's not just if we run a church service, we do that well, that we're going to reach our town. That's what we've been talking about for a long time, haven't we? We want to reach our town through our community. We want to be people who, in a sense, are aliens and strangers, who love one another so well and love our community so well that we're reaching our community through that. Because then we're in the community. They don't have to step in here to hear about Jesus. We're out there amongst them, loving them, caring for them and showing them what Jesus is like. You see, uh, we often hear of the big churches in America, don't we? We have the multitudes and all the big places around there. Do you know, they're the minority. And America is very different to Australia. Americans do still have a sense of Christian culture. They still have that. And they can actually reach people by putting on a better performance, in a sense, or a better product. But we're out of that. We're not in that anymore. England's very same to us. They're not in that anymore. Do you know that they say in England now that 90%, 96% of people under the age of 18 will never hear about Jesus? Because it's not part of their culture. They don't speak about it, they don't come to church. And that's, they're saying that theirs is even worse than us. Well, I can tell you, that's probably not much different for those who are in our schools and our youth these days, is it? Because they're not going to step in here in and of themselves. It's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge to think about us. How do we love our community well? How do we seek the 70% who will never come in here? How do we reach them? It's not about putting on a better product, though we do want to do church well, by the way, what we do here on Sunday morning. We want to do that well. But if we do this well, we're not going to reach that 70%. We need to do that out there well. We need to reach the community by loving them, by being a community. They say, wow, those people truly love one another because they're not stuck in this home. They have a home in eternity. They know where their security is. They know where their safety is. They know where their sense of who they are is. They're not trying to build up wealth and all this sort of stuff here. They're not trying to build up success here. They are trying to love one another well and love us well because they've got a home in eternity. Because that's what Peter says, doesn't he? Look what he says in verse 3. This is a wonderful part of the Bible. Uh, If you ever want to be encouraged about something, listen to what uh, Peter says to those who trust and love Jesus. He says, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, In his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade, kept in heaven for you. How good is that? That's stunning, isn't it? There's that word. I haven't used it for a long time, by the way. But it is stunning. It's amazing, isn't it, that God in his mercy has reached out to us, he's grabbed us and he's brought him to himself and he's made that all possible through Jesus. 
We have got a new birth into him. We have a new inheritance. We have a living hope, not a dead hope. We have a hope that takes us through this life and into eternity. I don't know whether you remember a little while ago there was that whole debate about the whole citizenship test that you had to go through to to be Australian, to become Australian. Uh, And you had to go through this and a number of the questions and there's all this debate over what the questions were about. Uh, Well, I looked it up the other day. You can go onto the website and you actually can go and find out uh, what is the questions that you need to do. Well, they don't give you the questions, but what they do give you is sample questions. So they give you these 20 sample questions and you go through these sample questions and if you get a certain percentage right, then they would say that you'd be accepted as being an Australian citizen. You'd be part of our nation. So I went through them. I thought I'd take on the first one. I thought I'd do the 20. Uh, Let me just tell you what some of those questions were. Uh, The first question was, what is the smallest mainland state? They want to go for Tassie, but uh, there it is. Uh, It asks, uh, what are the icons of Sydney? Then they give you three. They'd always give you three examples, A, B, C, and you had to pick one of those. Uh, One was, what is the bottom half of the Aboriginal flag? I got this round the wrong way. Uh, What is the top half of the Aboriginal flag? Uh, The other one was, uh, number five, was all the different capital cities. And then they had a lot of things on the capital cities. And the very last question was this. The 20th question was, which is the most important for making the most of living in Australia? A, driving. B, communicating in English. Or three, travelling. Interesting, wasn't it? I hope you went for communicating English because that was the one that was right. Now, I got 90%. I got one wrong and one I didn't attempt. I'm not sure what happened there. I think I just missed it off the screen. But I would have been accepted as an Australian citizen because I could answer those questions. But do you know there is a far easier way to become an Australian citizen than taking a test? What is it? Be born here, exactly. You're born in Australia, but you're an Australian. You see, there's no test to get into eternity. To be part of God's kingdom, it's not about passing a test, it's not about answering questions, it's about being born into a new life through Jesus Christ. That's what it says, doesn't it? Peter says, Praise be to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, in his great mercy has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. It is all through Jesus. You don't tick any boxes. You don't think, well, how many people are going to be at the pearly gates? Do I need to answer Peter's questions? There's none of that. How good is it? It's only through Jesus. And in Jesus, you've been brought into God's kingdom, into his family, and you have a home for eternity. It says, doesn't it, into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. I don't know about you, but uh, I think I'm going to get an inheritance one day. I'm still on good terms with my family. And my inheritance will probably be uh, mum and dad's house, maybe their cars, uh, maybe. Uh, It depends on whether I can fight my sister over a few things. But you get that inheritance, don't you? You get that in the end. But do you know what? That house is going to be destroyed one day. That car is going to break down continually. Everything that is here and now spoils and fades and is destroyed. When we first came to Evans Head, we lived in Seamist Lane over near Air Force Beach. We decided that Seamist Lane is is a wrong term for that uh, place, that area up there. We decided that road should be called Sea Rust Lane because if you stood longer than five minutes in that street, you would rust. Basically, everything rusted. 
We had aluminium windows. They rusted. You, the cars, you set them outside overnight and there was pitted bits in the back of your car. It just shows you that they're destroyed, aren't they? Uh, you can live anywhere in Evans and you find out that that's the case, don't you? Ross and moth destroyed. But our inheritance in Jesus Christ, our eternity in perfection with him, doesn't rust, doesn't spoil, doesn't fade. So where should our priorities be, guys? It's not in our cars. It's not in our houses. It's not in our success. It's not in our money. It should be on Jesus, shouldn't we? And his eternity. That we know that we are there and we want to live that out now. And we want other people to come to know that. Because the will of God goes on and says there, that won't, spell, won't, won't fade for you. Verse 5, who through faith is shielded by God's power until the coming of salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Uh, he's real, isn't he, Peter? He knows that the life that we live now has trials and suffering. Peter's not particularly talking about just physical stuff here. He's talking about trials and sufferings emotionally. Uh, The fact that believing and trusting in Jesus means that sometimes that's going to mean you need to make hard decisions and people aren't going to like you for that and you're going to suffer for it. You're going to suffer for being a Christian, guys, sometimes. It's going to happen. But how good is it that you don't have to worry about that? Because that piles into any significance in the fact that you have an inheritance that never spoils or fades, that's kept safe for you by God. It's a picture of God standing in front of you and saying, nothing's going to get through. But your inheritance is safe with me. I tell you what, when I was going through uni, I had a guy there uh, by the name of Brett and he was huge. He was even bigger uh, than a number of people that are in this congregation today. He couldn't touch his muscles like this. He was huge. And I used to love walking through town with him. Friday nights, we'd go out, Brett, he'd be my mate. Because I'd be safe, I thought, with him. But he's nothing compared to God. God is the ultimate protector. And he will not let you go. He will not let that inheritance, that eternity that you have in Jesus, get away from you. He's got it safe for you. These have come so that your faith is greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may be proved genuine and may result in praise and glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him, and even though you do not see him, now you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. I think sometimes the most joy that I've had in life, and you can probably think through some of the things that have gone on in your life, there'll be certain experiences that you've had certain times during your life where you've just been jumping out of your skin at how good that may be. Uh, But uh, when you win a sporting event, I'm pretty good at that, be that when Hawthorne beat Collingwood by three points and my father-in-law, who loves Collingwood, was sitting beside me at the MCG. Mate, I jumped for joy that day and I let him know all about it. I let everyone know about it. The 86,000 people in that stadium knew about it. It was an unbelievable experience. Uh, When you get married, when you have a child, when something just comes together and you think, oh, how good is that? That inexpressible joy that we have here and now is what we're to experience with Jesus too. In Him. 
who has chosen you, who has grabbed you, who have brought, him to, brought you to himself, who went to the cross, who died, who loved you, who rose again, who came back from the dead and has your inheritance safe and secure in his hands. The greatest victory is yours in him. How many times have you jumped around the lounge room and go, yeah, how good is Jesus? Probably not too often, has it? But maybe we should. Maybe we should do that a bit often. Maybe we close the window so the neighbours don't think we're completely off our trees. But maybe they should hear that. Maybe they should hear how excited we are that Jesus has saved us. He's got us, he loves us, he's got our he's eternally secure in him. We should be overjoyed about it. Now I can't make you overjoyed about that. But God can. Go home from here today and just spend a little bit of time meditating and contemplating upon what this passage is saying because it blows your mind. Because in verse 9, for you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We're not home, guys. This is not home. We're only in the camping version. Some good stuff here but the beds are going to be so much better there. This is only the start. This is only the taste. Eternity is going to blow your mind. That is our home. You know what? I reckon we should start inviting people to join us in that. Invite people to their home. You ask people, one of the good questions to ask people is, uh, come up to them and say, oh, don't go up to them, but if you're in a conversation with them, you're having a chat to them and talking to them about life, so, so what would be your ideal world? Ask them that question. What would be their ideal world? I guarantee you that almost 90% of it would be exactly what eternity is like. Removal of wars, removal of sickness, loving relationships where people get on with everybody, where we are in perfection, safe and secure and feeling like we're at home. And that's eternity. And that eternity is secure in Jesus. Let's start inviting people home, guys. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that You blow us away, Lord, when we think about uh, what you've done for us in Jesus, that you have uh, pulled us to yourself through him, that in him uh, we have an eternity safe and secure with you forever. Lord, thank you that our home is with you. Lord, may you change our hearts, may you work by your spirit and so that we hold things here lightly, Lord but we hold the things of eternity dearly to us, Lord. May your spirit within us give us that inexpressible joy that just bounces out of us just how wonderful you are. Lord, by your spirit, encourage us, give us the strength to speak out, to live out what it is to love you and to love this community and love the people around us, Lord. And within that, Lord, to invite people home to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.